We have been in a 10-part series that uh, we called All Access, and today I'm going to switch gears a little bit. I'm going to switch gears. We've been talking about what we have all access to because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And, and I just, I went back and I looked at all of the message titles again. And so if you haven't been uh, keeping uh, track or staying with us, we've talked about who we are in Christ. We've talked about the access that we have through the name of Jesus. We've talked about the difference between faith and unbelief. We've taught you how to inquire of the Lord. A lot of times people are like, well, I asked for that. It didn't happen. And my thought was, well, did you ask the Lord? Did, you know, especially when it comes to the things um, like a, a blessing and endeavors and, 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 you know, buying cars or houses or businesses or lands, whatever. Did you inquire of the Lord first? A lot of times people, you know, they just kind of want God to bless their own thing. When the Lord actually has a direction for us. And so we taught about that last Wednesday, a couple, couple of Wednesdays ago. Um, God's plan for divine healing. Amen. 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 Got people set free that weekend. Praise God. We talked about the believer's authority over the devil. We've talked about overcoming fear. And then two weeks ago, I started to kind of start to transition into this next series because I started saying, well, what happens when we, you know, we gave the all access little badges out and what happens when we, when we run that through the, the little card reader and it comes back access denied? And we started talking about the heart condition in that moment and forgiveness. And we started talking about bitterness and, and offense. And I really believe people were set free that week. And then last week, we started talking about growing up spiritually. There is, there is this desire that the Lord has that we grow up. Amen? We grow up spiritually. Just like a child grows up, we are to grow up spiritually. That's how come you can have a teenager who is just aggressively pursuing God who just seems to be just going after it, and then you can have someone in a, in a service who's 50, 55, 60 years old that's kind of the same spiritual maturity as the teenager because they just stopped growing. Are you with me? And then we said, let's be careful how we hear. Be careful how you pay attention. Be careful your approach. We started talking about how you measure something. Remember that last week? How you measure it. The value you place on something determines what you get out of it. And so here we go into a brand new series. And I'm just going to tell you right now, the value that you place on this, on this next few minutes will determine what you get out of the service. Amen. And so let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you are doing, what you're saying to the people of your place, church. And Lord, I thank you that I am anointed by you. Lord, I thank you that these words are anointed. Father, there's enough anointing in your holy written word alone to change lives. Father, if all, if all we did was stand up here and read your word, people's lives would be changed. And so, Father, we ask that you lead us, that you guide us, that you direct us today. Lord, we want to talk about some things that I believe, number one, you told me to share on this, but number two, this has the potential to save people's lives and change them forever. And so, Lord, we lean into you. We all lean into you. Lord, we measure this. And Lord, we thank you for what you're doing, for what you're saying to the people of your place, church, in Jesus' name, amen. So, we've been talking about all access, but there is more. 
Amen, everyone? With God, there is always more. And so here's my question to start off this series and specifically today's message. What do you think of when I say the word blessed? What do you think of when I say the word blessed? For a lot of us, we think, oh, well, you know, the, the, you know, only God can bless people, right? It's, it's something that the Lord does. I mean, we ask the blessing over the, over the food. Who are we asking the blessing from? The Lord, right? You know, uh, the only blessing I feel like that happens. Now, you can get into the Old Testament and see how, you know, patriarchs of old would bless their children. But what they were doing is they were actually praying a blessing from God over them. I did ask my father-in-law for his blessing to marry his daughter, amen, but by and large, what we're saying when we say the word blessed is we're wanting the Lord to do something for us. We're actually talking about a quality of life, are we not? When we think about the word blessed, we're talking about a quality of life. Now, obviously, that'll look different to, to everybody Um, If you're talking to a homeless person, a place to sleep tonight is a blessing. Food on the table is a blessing. A table is a blessing. Amen, everyone. But, you know, what if you're wanting to talk to somebody who, and, and I've done this, I've talked to people who are renting their home, and it's almost like they despise the home they're in because they want to own a home. Listen, To a a person who just wants a place that they can go home to every single night, whether it's theirs or not, whether they're renting or owning, they just want a place to go home to. Are you with me, friends? Come on, don't leave me up here by myself. Amen? Are you with me? If you own a home, well, would that be considered blessed enough if you own a home? I know people who want a, a bigger home. And it's not because, you know, they just want a bigger home for the sake of having a bigger home. They want a bigger home because them kids got numbers. Are you with me? Them kids got numbers. Like, they, they just, they need more spaces to put children. Um, but owning a home just because it's bigger, is, is, that a, is that a bad thing? Is it? It's not. It's not. In fact, I know people who believed God for a larger home for no other reason than they've got an extra bedroom for when people come and stay with them. They've got a a separate living room where they can host life groups and it doesn't necessarily interfere with their family. So owning a bigger home for the sake of just having a bigger home is not wrong. And we need to get this in our thinking a little bit today because for some reason, there is this thought, there is this thing, and it's connected to, it's connected to Christianity and it's connected to God that God doesn't actually want us blessed. But I'm going to show you through Scripture today, Scripture after Scripture after Scripture after Scripture on what God's heart, his thought, and his intentions are to, to us, his, his children. You know, we, um, we've got a friend of ours comes to worships with us, and he gave Tyra a sign last year that says, if you're blessed enough to live at the lake, you're blessed enough. 
You know, if, if you, and she hung it up, and, and we do. We thank God for where we live. But I've, I've, all, I've already heard there's people that's like, preachers shouldn't live there. Preachers shouldn't live there. In fact, I've, I've heard, um, I heard one minister talk along these lines, and, um, and he was talking about how the Lord had blessed him with a 4,000-square-foot with a house and an eight-car garage. Amen. <laughs> And uh, he went in, he was, he was getting his hair, you know, his hair cut. He uh, was in there and his, his uh, person doing the hair uh, leaned over and says, oh, I heard you just moved. And he's like, oh, yeah, how'd you hear that? Oh, we had some people in the, in, the, in the shop here talking about, you know, that preacher got him a new house, 4,000 square foot, eight, eight car garage. That's just too much. That's just too much. Well, too much for who? Too much for who? For the preacher? Is it too much for the preacher? Because in that same neighborhood was a, uh, a business owner for a conglomerate of uh, pizza chain. It was a pizza chain owner. It had several different pizza chains. They didn't care if he lived in that house or in that neighborhood. Are you with me? And see, he, had, he remembers where he came from because when he and his wife got married, they lived in a mobile home that they paid cash for, cost him $3,000. Moved into that mobile home. They, he said, we were so poor, we didn't know we were poor. He, lived, he said he lived, he's from Mississippi. He says, he says, we lived in a part of Mississippi that, that we were so poor, we didn't know we were poor. And then all of a sudden, he started seeing what the scripture says about the access that we have through Jesus Christ. And they believed God for their first, it was a three-bedroom, two-bath home, two-car garage. And the Lord blessed them with it. And then every year since then, not every year did he get a new house, but every year he continued to grow and find out what God's plan and purposes are for his life. And again, here's the thing. People think that the blessing, and especially if we talk on it, that we're wanting you to do something, you know, uh, for us. Listen, I'm good. I don't need anybody's uh, financial help in my life. The Lord takes care of me. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But here's what I do know. There is a lot of people who struggle with this. And the reason why you're struggling with this is because there's a mindset that we have to change. Just like when we were talking about all access the last few weeks, a lot of you guys, your mind was renewed in some of these areas. And so lean in with me. Lean in with me in some of these areas because I believe the Lord wants to do something for you. Too much for who? Oklahoma ranks number 43 out of the 50, out of 50 states for personal income growth. Mays County, Oklahoma is number 22 of the 77 counties in Oklahoma for being in poverty. There are 55 other counties in our state that are more prosperous than us on a personal income level. And the the two things that we find ourselves praying with people about the most, number one, healing. I just need God to touch my body. The number two thing we find ourselves praying for people about is, I can't pay my bills. I gotta buy groceries. I, I, I I can't afford gas in my car. It's finances. It's always been connected to healing or it's been connected to finances. Number three, marriages. Number four, addictions. 
Those are the four things that we find ourselves. Now, we pray about a lot of stuff for people, but those are the four things that we find ourselves praying about more and more and more. And I believe it's because in Mays County, we struggle with not just poverty, but we struggle with a poverty mindset. Generational poverty is a challenge that we face in Northeast Oklahoma. And I'm convinced it, tra- it, st- it stems all the way back to the Trail of Tears. Go with me for just a second. The Trail of Tears. The Native Americans were promised this, this land flowing with milk, on, milk and honey. Took them forever to get here. And when they got here, it was not a land flowing with milk and honey. It had red dirt. Are you with me? And then this oppression came on them. And that oppression has lingered for generation after generation after generation. And that's why Oklahoma is number 43 out of the 50 in in income growth. Now, let me pause for just a second before we get into what what the Lord wants to say today. This is in no way condemnation. I'm not coming down on anyone, but it is true, and it's been a generational thing that so many of us, we depend on other people or other services to make it in our day-to-day lives. I can remember when we were, our children were younger, and um, the school came to us, and they were like, hey, listen, um, do you qualify for free and reduced lunches? And we're like, well, we don't, we don't know. We didn't know that was a thing. What is the income standard? And they told us what the income standard was. And we were like, oh, yeah, 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 we, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We qualify for free and reduced lunches. And listen, we were thankful for them. We were thankful for them. We were thankful for the, the state-issued uh, insurance for our children that we could just show up and our children could get free health care and dental. We were thankful for that. But it was never our heart to stay there. We did not want to stay there. In fact, we did everything we can to actually get to the place because we're thankful that that is available to people who need it, but we don't necessarily want to be the ones who need it indefinitely. Are you with me, friends? And again, don't hear what I'm not saying. And can I just pause right here and say, this is in no way political either. This is a mindset that I think the Lord wants to change in people's life. Our forefathers created the welfare program to aid people who fell down on their luck, maybe lost a job, or have been injured for a season. It was a means to provide a relief until they healed or until a different job was found. But there are those among us in the world we live in who take advantage of those services provided. Are you with me? And, and I have a friend of mine, doesn't live in this county, does live in Oklahoma, and I was talking to him one day, and he said that he has a, his, it was actually his mother-in-law, who was an educator in their school system, was actually uh, one of the girls' basketball coaches in their school system. She injured herself, like it was a bad deal. She just happened to be Native American, so the tribe came in and started helping her while she healed. Well, the tribe actually paid her more than her salary was as an educator. She decided to never heal. 
And as long as she wasn't hurt, she could continue to receive that supplement. And she still hasn't healed today. And here's the problem with that. Not only is the Cherokee Nation uh, issuing funds for someone who could work instead of giving it to someone who can't, but that school system now lost a great educator and a great girls basketball coach. Are you with me? And I realized I wasn't going to get shouted down. Amen, brother. Amen. Go for it. I realized that. But I am going to change your mindset in this area today. Why? Because God has a plan for every single one of you. And if you can just see yourself the way God sees you, you will come up. You will come up if you believe that this is God's plan for you. If you believe. Now, again, stay on it as long as you need, but don't plan to stay there. Plan and watch God move. The Bible actually has a lot to say about people who kind of take advantage of the system, if you will. The Bible says that a person who has the ability to take care of themselves but doesn't, the Bible, not Pastor Darian, let me clarify this. The Bible refers to them as a sluggard. Sounds like a terrible thing. And that's why I'm, I, I'm prefacing it. This isn't Pastor Darian. This is the Bible. The Holy Bible. And the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 26, verse 16, a sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. And again, I realize that people with disabilities and injuries, the Bible's not talking about them. The Bible is talking about people who have the ability to make it on their own, but choose not to. The Bible refers to people who don't earn a living, but can as a sluggard. In Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6, it says, go to the ant you sluggard, and consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, or ruler. In other words, no one's telling him what to do. There's no boss. There's no manager, right? There's no job in this particular scenario, but yet he's, he works for himself. He stores its provisions in summer and gathers food at harvest. And a lot of people would be like, well, what's wrong with living this way? What's wrong with it? Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4 says, A sluggard's appetite is never filled. You're always in want. But look at this. The desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. I'm talking about being satisfied in life. Jesus says, I have come that you would have and enjoy life. That's why Jesus, he says, I'll give you the desires of your heart, but there is more, and it's going to require a shift in our thinking. And as long as we don't mind staying right here, you will never get out of this, and your children will never get out of this, and their children will never get out of this. When God's plan for you is, is that you would continue to, to be blessed. Proverbs chapter 23 verse 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you live in a world where you think that this is just the way it is, you will never see 
any difference. But if you can look at the Word of God and see the nature and the character of God, there is more available to you. Amen? Here's a question. We'll change the, we'll change the tone a little bit. Have you ever broken the law? Anybody? All right. Yeah, yeah, broken the law. For all of you who did not raise your hands, um, you may have broken the law but didn't realize it. These are actual Oklahoma laws on the Oklahoma books. Violators can be fined, arrested, and jailed for making ugly faces at a dog. Actual law in Oklahoma. Actual law. Females are forbidden from doing, uh, for doing their own hair without, a, without being licensed by the state. Like, you know, Tyra sometimes, she'll, she'll just grab a clump of hair and cut it. And I'm like, what are you doing? You could go to prison, right? So here, here. Oklahoma will not tolerate anyone taking a bite out of another's hamburger. Amen. Amen. I get behind that. I get behind that. Do you want anything? No, I'm not really hungry. I get my burger. Can I have a bite? You could go to jail. No. Actual law in the state of Oklahoma, whaling is illegal. Whaling is illegal. And I, it's spelled like the blue whale. You know, like don't be whaling in Oklahoma. It's not it's not legal here. It's illegal to have the hind legs of a farm animal in your boots. Actual law on the states. Do not put the hind legs of your goat, your cow, your pig in your boots. I guess you can buy their own boots. I don't know. Um, Tissues are not to be found in the back of one's car. I actually agree with that one. I, I actually agree with that one. Use tissues, throw them back there, right? In the book of Galatians, um, it talks about a different kind of law, okay? Galatians chapter 3 verse 10 says, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, as it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. So what's it talking about, the book of the law? Let's break that down for all of us. The law that the Bible's referring to is not talking about random farm animals wearing your boots. It's actually talking about the law that God gave Moses when he was on the mountain of God. Some have heard the Ten Commandments, right? Yes. Well, the Ten Commandments were just one segment of that. There were actually 613 laws that you and I were to keep. This is before Jesus, God, or G, Moses goes up to the mountain of God, he, you know, set my people free, they're free, they're out, he goes up to the mountain of God, and he comes down with these laws. If you touch a dead heifer, you're unclean until sunset. If you touch a dead body, you're unclean until sunset. If you eat any meat of any animal with a split hoof, you are considered unclean. These were 613 of these type laws called the law of Moses. And the law was what people lived by before Jesus came and redeemed us all and gave us all access. But it, the law was never meant to save people. 
The law was this really tall measuring stick that says, if you're going to do this on your own, this is how you have to live. If you're going to approach God, this is the measuring stick for how you're supposed to live. But Jesus' blood paid for that, and now we get to live in grace. Jesus measured up to the law so that we don't have to. He paid the price for us. But when it's talking about the law, the law came with a blessing and a curse. It came with a blessing and a curse. In other words, if you were to somehow live this way, if you were to keep all 613 laws, then the Bible says you would be blessed. And then it goes on to see and read about what blessing looks like. So if blessing really is a quality of life and blessing only comes from God, let's don't just assume we know what what it blessed looks like. Let's go to his holy written word and see how he defines blessed. Are you okay with that? Say, I'm okay with that. Deuteronomy chapter 21, the Bible says this in verse 1. He says, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands that I give you today, all right, this is, here's, here's all 613 of them. If you fully obey them, the Lord your God, look at this, this is his definition, will set you on high above all the nations on earth. And all these, here's the word, blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. Again, I'm reading straight from the Holy Bible. This is in your Bible. The blessings of God are defined in your scripture. I don't have a special preacher edition. Like, I'm just reading from the same Bible you're reading from. Verse 3 says, you will be blessed. That's what the Bible says. In the city and blessed in the country. Well, they were an agrarian society. What does that mean to us? Well, our businesses, our crops, we could say our checking account, our savings account, my job. This would assume we actually have a job that the Lord can bless. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. What is the fruit of your womb? Your children. The Bible says my definition of blessing is that you would be blessed and your children would be blessed. He goes on to say, and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. These would be considered investments. These are future things. He says, not only are you going to be blessed now, but you're going to be blessed in the future. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. Who's doing this? The Lord is. The Lord is. And so what would be an enemy in our, in our day and age? I mean, a cutthroat marketplace, someone gunning for your job, someone trying to steal from you. That's an enemy, right? It could be a literal enemy. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. 
Better not take me on, right? The enemy, they will come at you in one direction, but they're running in seven, the Bible says. Verse eight, the Lord will send a blessing on your barns, look at this, and on everything that you put your hand to. In other words, if you're not going to put your hand to anything, is there anything for the Lord to bless? No. So many people are just wanting God to counterfeit money and it just appear right there. Just let money rain out of the sky. No, the Bible says that whatever you put your hand to, he will bless. The Lord, your God, will bless you in the land he is giving you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people as he promised on oath. God promised to prosper his people. He promised to bless them. And here's what you need to know about God. He doesn't go back on his promises. He doesn't break promises. He doesn't go back on his word. So why is, what's the difference? The difference has to be in our thinking. The difference has to be in how we view God. If you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to him, then all the peoples on earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. Why? That person's blessed. God's hand is on them. Don't touch them. Touching them is messing with God. Are you with me? The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity. Is that what your Bible says? Read it for yourself. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity. So many people think that, you know, money is the root of all evil. It's not. It's not. The love of money is the root of all evil because people will do evil, evil things to get it. But if you just trust the Lord and his blessing, you don't have to do evil things to get it. And here's the thing. It doesn't say that God will just bless you with prosperity. He says abundant prosperity. In the fruit of your womb, in the young of your livestock, in the crops of your ground, in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouses of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless, here we go again, all the works of your hands. What are you doing with it? Does this make sense? You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. How many people, we have student loans? Yeah, got a few of us, yeah. How many people, we got a, a startup loan, right, right? There, the Bible is saying there's a day coming when not only will you no longer have those, but if you choose to, you can be the lender, not the borrower. Does this make sense? The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. He goes on to say, if you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will 
always be on top and never at the bottom. Now, do not turn aside from any of the commands that I give you today to the right or to the left, following other gods or serving them. And all of this is is available, the Bible says. Amen. That's, I am in all that God thinks of us this way. That God's plan is for this to happen in our lives. It means it's a quality of life. This is what God means when he says, I will bless you. Because that comes straight from his word. Amen? Now, verse 15 says, however. (laughs) However. We could say, but if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I'm giving you today, then all of these curses will come on you. And the Bible says, brother, they will overtake you. They will overtake you. And you will be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. Your basket in your kneading trough will be cursed. Have you ever had one of those days where you just should have stayed in bed? Just, oh man, I just should have stayed in bed today. Try living a life of that. The Bible says this law, the 613 laws of Moses, if you can live up to this, then all these blessings are yours. But if you don't, Unfortunately, there was a curse attached to the law. The fruit of your womb will be cursed. The crops of your land and the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. And you will be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. The Lord will send confusion. Not starting to talk about emotional and and mental type issues, right? And rebuke everything you put your hand to until you are destroyed and come to a sudden ruin because of the evil you have done in forsaking him. And then from verse 21 throughout, I mean, several verses here, the Bible starts talking about the Lord will plague you with diseases until he has destroyed you. And it starts talking about the incurable itch boils, a wasting disease. It talks about emotional issues. Anxiety and depression is actually mentioned here. Uh, The botch of Egypt, whatever that is. The botch, I don't know, I don't have to know what it is to know I don't want it. You got the botch, (laughs) okay. And see, people think, well, that sounds terrible. Yeah. And this is how people in the Old Testament had to live. By this this immeasurable mark that if you could do it, you win. If you can't, you lose. 
If only there was somebody who could live up to that mark for me, that I didn't have to live in such, I mean, touch a dead heifer and you're unclean for the rest of the day. I mean, I, I'm not around dead heifers a lot, but I have been, I've been there. Are you with me? Eat the, eat the, the meat of, a, of any animal with a split hoof, pork, camel, Anybody eating camel steaks tonight, right? Anything with a split hook, right? All of these things. But watch this. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 says, this is New Testament, by the way. This is after Jesus Christ. He says, Christ redeemed us from the curse, the botch of Egypt, the incurable itch, all right? All of, the, all of the, the cursing, Christ redeemed us from that by becoming a curse for us. When Jesus Christ stood on that, or was hung on that cross, it wasn't just so you and I could go to heaven one day. It was, he was standing on that cross. He was hung on that cross. And the Bible says He became all of that curse for you. For it is written, cursed is everyone who was hung on a pole. Verse 14, this is why he redeemed us. From his own word, he redeemed us in order, not just so we can go to heaven, not just so we can spend eternity there, He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come on to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that, here's a a kicker, by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Jesus paid the price for that immeasurable law so you don't have to. Come on, if that's not a reason to celebrate and fall in love with Jesus, I don't know what is. Amen, everyone? Come on. Praise God. Praise God. And I, I realize this is going to take some of you a little bit to swallow because you've been taught, you've been lied to for so long. And this is, let me just say this. I teach on this once every couple of years. This is not the main focus of your place, church. But the reason why I I teach on this is because God wants to use you to do big things. I've had people come up to me and say, Pastor, I don't need anything. Great. But you have some neighbors who do. You have some family who does. You have a church that does. Because we're believing God to do some big things around here. And how how does God do that? He uses his people. He uses his people. If for no other reason, be blessed because you can be a blessing. Amen? Tyra was leading a life group several years ago now. And that was one of her virtue life groups. And she had a young lady in there. And she was reading something along these lines. And she said, whoa, 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 whoa. Stop, stop. Are you telling me that the Lord doesn't want me to live 
in this mobile home that's falling apart that I have to tape the door shut and all of this other stuff? Like, are you telling me the Lord doesn't want me to live there? And she's like, do you want to live there? And she's like, no, nobody wants to live there. It needs to be condemned, right? Like, nobody wants to live there. And then Tyra was like, well, if you want a different place, he wants you to have a different place. Does he want me to actually own a home someday? Do you want to own a home someday? Oh, it'd be great. And they prayed and they released their faith together and they believed God for her to not only move out of that termites holding hands trailer, right? Um, but into not just a home, but a home that she owned. And before the end of the year, they found, offered, and closed and moved into a home for her and her family. And it was all the blessing of God. Amen. The only thing that changed was her mindset. She was under the impression that God wanted her to live that way. Wait, you're telling me that God wants me to be blessed? He's blessed you. Well, then why am I living here? Exactly. Exactly. And over the next few weeks, I'm going to give you scripture after scripture after scripture on how it is actually God's plan and purpose for you to come on up. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's God's plan for everybody to be millionaires. There are some people, you would be dangerous with that kind of money. We can get into, we can talk about being good stewards and we can talk about like, you know, the Lord trusting you with, with that kind of wealth. Well, well, we'll get into that. But make no mistake about it. It is his plan that you would, according to scripture, be abundantly prosperous. Abundantly. That's what he, that's, that's his definition of it. Amen? So hang on. Because what you're going to see over the next few weeks is not only will your mind and thinking in this area begin to change, and you do your, own, do your own research. You don't have to take my word for it. Every scripture I'll give you, I'll give you the text, the verse, and everything. Do your own research. But what will end up happening is not only will your mindset change, but all of a sudden you'll step into this new place and provision will come to you. All of a sudden, paying $5.50 for a gallon of milk isn't a big deal. All of a sudden, you don't care if gas prices fluctuate. Are you with me? You don't mind. If you've got money, you don't... Like, yeah, it bothers you. Gas prices should never go that high. But at the end of the day, you still have gas to put in your tank to take you to the job that the Lord gave you. Are you with me? have eggs put in a skillet to feed them babies amen go out for dinner is this is it the lord's plan for that yes absolutely and there will be some of you who you just can't get it and that's fine but for the rest of you you're coming on up you're coming on up and God's going to bless you. And you 
will be a blessing. Amen, everyone.